I get the feeling that people who rape people um, are the best people in the world. <laughs> from the smallest room in New York City. And if you meet three assholes in a day. becomes a show that gives you a reason to live. You're probably the 73-year-old landlord is dead. Inside and out. Four days after opening a mysterious exploding package. He died? Dead. Inside and out. Dead. Four days after opening a mysterious exploding package, which was left on the porch of... Yeah. Uh, severely, yes, he did die severely. <laughs> he was overheated. That's, he was a severely overheated Brookville senior, George Ray. Suffered burns over 80% of his body after the canister-shaped package blew up in his hands around 4.15 p.m. last Friday, last Friday, in front of the tw- uh, 222nd Street home. Dreadful start to the weekend. So please say the name on the package, which was shaped like an oatmeal container did not belong to anyone living there. The container was filled with black powder and exploded when Ray opened it. And a neighbor who lives down the block heard the explosion and ran over to see what happened. I saw the guy was on fire. His clothes were all burned up, said Audrey Campbell. And he was just leaning down in shock. And he dead. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, I don't think they really know exactly what was going on. Well, yeah, somebody left an exploding package, like, uh, you know... Right. With flash Highly flash coyote powder. type right. shit, you know, from With the... flash act. powder. Yes, flash powder. What, uh, is, is that what... Uh, flash powder, it's like gunpowder or something? I don't know it, what it it's is. It's more like what you use to, um... To detonate know. shit, like you draw, draw a little, drop a little line of it, and then it was like... Uh, Maybe, or I think like what you use to uh, make a flash... Like in, in an old um, flash bulb. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, and um, uh, it's, it wasn't really gunpowder. I mean, it's obviously it has like an explosive effect. It's black powder. Is that what it's called? Black powder. I don't really. Because it says black powder, but that might just be the color. The color. Um, yeah, I think it was like kind of a rudimentary type of bomb, mm-hmm. um, rigged up to open. Uh, or explode on opening. That's, yeah. that's the interesting part. So we had to know how to make a. I guess you just have a spark. Really, a flint would do it, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I'm no expert on bomb making, but it sounds like, um, somebody was. Come on, man, you can tell me. I, um... You've never made bombs? You don't know how to make bombs? The most, uh, the biggest, the only bombs I ever made were, um, this, this, uh, boy and I would buy matches, and we would cut off match heads and put them inside electrical tape, or duct tape, and spray it with, like, maybe um, either pledge or an insecticide as an accelerant. And <laughs> oh, this is like you're already <laughs> kind of impressing me. And here. then light them. Uh-huh. And we call these, like, our smoke bombs. Oh, okay. Um, you know, uh, I don't think they were... And we would do them in, like, this tiny little shed. I, You know, I don't think it was, like, really very salubrious to like be breathing in all of this stuff. That's one of the least salubrious things I've <laughs> yeah, ever yeah, heard. Yeah, yeah, I would say. But I would say also that that is not a not a bad recipe for bomb making. You know, the biggest bombs that I ever made would probably be Baton Rouge Funny Bone. Oh. Oh my God. What's a Baton Rouge Funny Bone? Oh, that's <laughs> that is a building in Baton Rouge, Louisiana uh, where there, uh, people gather to see comedy and uh, don't laugh at oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> I see. That was your bomb. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it was being. Uh, it was. I don't know. It was. 
I blame it on the House MC. Well, this guy though, that's the last thing you expect. You know, it wasn't it wasn't addressed to anybody who lived there. So I guess so. You know, put it in the. It should go to the dead letter office, right? <laughs> it's, it's one of those mysteries that, like, had it killed a child, it would be the talk of the city, right? But since it killed old man Ray, and and you know, old Audrey runs down the street. Oh my goodness. He was just, his clothes were all burned up. And I couldn't stand to see Mr. Ray that way. I, I think, I mean, from what I've read, uh, they think maybe it was a, um, like they were trying to kill somebody who they thought lived there. Right. How's that for um, criminological <laughs> insight? Yeah, they, they weren't planning on somebody else coming along and finding I it guess. first. Yeah, that makes sense. It's out there four days. So it was lucky for them that it didn't that that it didn't rain outside. You know what? Um, can I just tell a little bomb story? When yeah. I was a kid, a teenager, I knew these guys who were really into making explosives, um, and I was friends with them. Um, and I occasionally would hang out with them, and they would like have these things that would blow up. And I mean, it was really kind of like frightening. But um, on the last day of 1988, they um, I guess they'd come home from college, and they were all assembled in this one of the kids' garages with a pipe bomb, and it blew up and killed four of them. And you, what? Were you there? No. Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Fuck. And it was like, it was weird because one of them was Muslim, and one of them was Jewish, and one of them was Catholic, <laughs> and they were in the home of the Brazilian ambassador or something like that. Whoa. Um, so it was like it was kind of like a sweet ecumenical kind of um, pre-war on terror story of bomb making, where all the monotheistic religions were together. Yes. No, I was actually pretty good friends. I wound up like going to like I had to speak at the funerals and stuff like that. All four of them? No, just one actually. <laughs> just one. Fortunately, it'd be like a run. Um, I know, really. By the last one, you're just like you know. They were uh, great. He was great. Good crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty uh that's pretty wild. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is interesting and, and it's it's a, I guess it's just one of those uh, situations of too many cooks. Um know? like could like, be cuz they uh they managed to like to to make a bomb or, but it blew up in in their, in uh, their face. It, it literally blew up in their face. And uh the Brazilian ambassador then had blood on on his uh carport floor. Something like that. Uh, it's wow. That's uh, that's that's quite that's a some tale. Story, huh? Quite a tale. I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, nothing that dramatic ever happened in my neighborhood. I think they were planning to blow up a flagpole at the school or something like that. Well, thank God that didn't happen. Thank God, I know, right? Just like leveling a flagpole. Just it seems like you could just run a car into it. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be a better way. Doesn't seem like that impressive you a target. You guys are doing the doing this the hard way. Uh, what was and the American flag flew there. Did you? Uh, not, did, I don't know. Did you say the pledge when you were a kid? Yeah. When did they stop doing that? Because I don't think they do that. I anymore. think my kids were still saying the pledge. I mean, my daughter's going into her senior year of high school. I th I believe they say it. I thought that they had stopped it, uh, like on, on a legal level or something. No, I mean I think they stopped. Um, Saying the Lord's Prayer a long time ago. Oh yeah, I didn't say that. Did you say that growing when you you that you, you didn't say the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, my second grade teacher used to pray in school. She would she would say a, a prayer every morning. Really? Yeah. My second grade teacher would handle snakes 
Wow. Now that's a religious person. Right. And uh, have you ever seen a snake handling service for real? No, I haven't. Have you? There, one YouTube, I have. Oh, okay. And it's the interesting thing is the music. Yeah. It's this. It's true acid rock. You know. Great. Which is like repetitive and kind of. It's it's driving. You know. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's very much like it sounds very much like religious music. But growing up in Tennessee, you never. Um well, you know, I did. Uh, it's not like you would just happen into a snake handling church. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> but it, it's illegal and everything. But they do have them. Yeah, they have them in Tennessee. They have them at uh, like up in Ocoee, and I think that might be where it's illegal. Well, yeah, because you know, it's yeah, it is illegal. Yeah, I, I think they passed a law um, that that, which I, I'm sure could be challenged, but. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not aware of my uh, snake handling uh, uh, laws concerning the. There was a good um, Supreme Court case a few years ago where they, you know, it's elite cockfighting obviously is illegal in, um, I think, in all 50 states now. But um, there was a ruling that videos of cockfighting could not be legally suppressed. So it is possible to buy those. Huh. Cockfighting videos could not be legally suppressed. That's yeah, funny. and you know what? I used to buy them on 207th Street. Oh, good snake handling video. Yeah, and of course, black and white is the only way to to do that. Are they talking and speaking in tongues? I I wouldn't be surprised. I can't understand them. Which is that? That's also creepy, by the way. Glossolalia. Glossolalia? Yeah, is that what speaking in tongues is? Yeah. What is so? Is that a term that has like a another meaning, like a it like a, a dysfunction of the brain or something that makes you talk that way or something? No, I think it just means um, it just means um, like making this nonsense um, speaking out of like religious fervor. And, and what is it again? Glossolalia. Glossolalia. My fucking glossolalia kicked in. Oh yeah, the music is kind of weird. Because yeah. I would go to one of these in like a hot minute. I don't think anything could keep me away. I mean, I don't think I would handle a snake, but I would be into this. Yeah, I mean... See, this music actually sounds like the band. It kind of does. See, you notice a young girl is very excited about the prospect of handling a snake because she's never had a penis in her hand before. See this guy out here. He's, he's sweating. See, like, when that guy speaks, I don't believe anything he says about politics, science, or, or anything else. But on religion, I trust you're, every you're, word. You're, yeah, yeah, you're, he's good with that. He knows his Bible.
in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Praise God. Why don't everybody just come? That's actually the exact same prayer my second grade teacher used to say. That guy has to play in the tambourine. I'm the tambourine player at the local <laughs> snake handling church. <laughs> I mean, you I know. I don't get pee hole. You're making fun. And I guess, you know what, maybe because it's your people. But I, I I have nothing but respect for these folks. I'm completely down with this. Like, I would, I would go to this. I would probably be, like, waving my hands and, like, loving it. Like, this music is awesome. Holy shit. See, yeah, see, I grew up on this type of shit, but not just... Not just quite this. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, did, you, did your church have, like, a falling down um, fake ceiling? Uh, what do you call that kind of sun- ceiling? Like a um, a drop ceiling? Like a falling? Like was your drop ceiling like falling apart? Okay, look, you got to got to look, Pat. You know what? Logic is Okay, immutable. you can laugh at these guys, but it's because of them that we're blessed with having Donald Trump in the presidency today. <laughs> so, laugh laugh if you laugh if you don't believe. Let's hope uh, they survive this church service then. Indeed. I mean, the guy's got a that's a nice what is that a Rickenbacker he's playing there? I mean, that's like that's a nice-looking guitar. Oh, sure. I've got a word for you people. Metaphor. Church outside Newport, Tennessee is where this is. So uh, this really upset me. Oh, he bought a Canon Hi8 video camera, so it's not like, so it's, you know, can't be too old. All right, all right. I think okay, we got so the point. I, we got maybe the point. we got the point, but we haven't heard the the, the climactic. <laughs> when you get these stuttering ladies down front trying to give their heart heart to Jesus. Well, that that's speaking in tongues. More greater. Now, now they're really jamming. I mean, tell me this isn't like the music's great. Now. This isn't pretty awesome.
Holy shit. Got a, whole, got a whole handful of snakes. That makes your church... Uh, All right, come on, Pat. You're going to tell me that these guys... This isn't like the most like intense <laughs> like concert rock dance party you've ever seen. Look at these guys. Tell me this isn't like... like Pretty, I, I think pretty it's a, heavy duty. It's basically insanity is what I think. Look, well, look at this thing. This guy's head up. He's like, but they they get bit startlingly little. I haven't seen one yet. Well, haven't you read um, Mark sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen? Oh, right. And these signs shall follow them that believe. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing. Um, this is awesome. I'm actually glad that you yeah. showed me this. Okay, this yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, you, now you know. I have yeah. seen a, the Pentecostal uh, speaking in tongues, too. It came on me by surprise because we were at this uh, thing where they were talking about rock music and how bad it was. That was a common thing in the 80s, you know, the satanic right, rock right, music. Right. And, uh, they oh, like went Tipper Gore. Like, that, that all came out of Tennessee. Right. Yeah, I guess it did. Um, uh, the whole, uh, you know, recording. Uh, the You know, it's right. funny because they've always been the ones for censorship, now that I think about it. With the, the Democrats. Al- the album censoring, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, okay, the, they're saying a prayer at the end of this thing. and like, hey, finally, fucking, we're going to get the fuck out of here, right? You know, I mean, because they, t- they touched on Hotel California, you know what I mean? You know, stabbing it with sure. this, can't kill the beast and all sure. that shit. Hear a voice in the back. Gubu to gabu, you know, yelling and yelling. And then I was like, what the fuck is that? Nobody's looking around even. Nobody's making a big deal out of it. And uh, and it spreads. You know, I thought it was like somebody having some kind of a fit and uh, and that they'd be, you know, showing the way out. But they didn't, nothing happened. And it spread until like, it had to be like at least half or two thirds of this whole auditorium were, were making these crazy noises. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I think there's a word for it. It's, uh, what is it? Glossolalia. It, the the glossolalia filled the room, and uh, it's terrifying. I was stoned too. I was like pissed away a good buzz on that, you know. Uh, you know, we thought it was just going to be fun to kind of goof on, you know, people who are scared of uh, Eric Clapton. Oh, so you 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 and your friends went to a um, some kind of revival meeting or about the danger of rock music as kind of a goof. Yes. And then, lo and behold, you realized, uh oh. The Lord is more powerful. Yes. And, and yeah, and we thought, and you know what's kind of exploitive about it, too? Because they really lead with the rock part, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what all the, they didn't in any way mention Jesus or anything. Okay. Sure enough, man, that was the deal. Uh, hey, let's take a little trip across the river to Hackensack, where a home intruder let himself in through an unlocked door and made himself more than comfortable inside the New Jersey residence. It was on a Wednesday morning. After gaining entrance to the home, James King of Jamaica, Queens, took off all his clothes and tried to get into the shower with a 21-year-old female who was in there first. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old okay. Micah Diaz. Uh, either that her name's her name might be Macaw, but it's probably a Micah. Her 21-year-old sister and her sister's baby. They were all home, the three of them now. Uh, and that's when King came inside the teen was watching her sister's kid when her sister came running from the bathroom just with a towel on saying there's a man in the house diaz said she runs in the room with only her towel on saying there's a man in the house and uh and she's on the phone with the police great the three of them left the home called the police and arrived to find king in the kitchen washing the dishes oh okay it sounds to me like he just really 
wanted to be helpful. He wanted to be part of a family, it sounds like. Just, yeah. He was into all the domesticity. You know, if this was a like a, a sitcom, he would be a new character. It would be like one of those shows that's kind of had it. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like, like they, he wandered in and... Uh, they kept him. Yeah, sure. You mean you don't have a home to go to? Right. That kind of shit. Right. Like the little boy in uh, the Brady Bunch towards the end. Oliver. Right, like Oliver, Oliver the misfit. Yeah, he he always felt out of place. It's like, well, there's a good reason for that, Oliver, because you have nothing to do with this family. Yeah, was he a cousin? I I, I think cousin Oliver sounds about right. Oliver, orphan okay. Oliver, little orphan Oliver. Sure. He he was a ki- he was a kid with glasses who wasn't smart. He was just all dork, all geek. Well, nature's um, nature's uh, cruel in that way. Yeah, it doesn't really always hit the smart looking ones. So. They just have to endure, you know, their look. I, I don't know what ever happened to Oliver, uh, but uh, I don't know what happened to a lot of the Bradys. Some of them are alive. I know the dad's dead of AIDS. Oh, you're talking about the actors. I thought you meant what happened to the Bradys. No, 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 not the Bradys. I don't give a fuck about those. Like, I think Mike Brady's retired now. <laughs> In violent Brooklyn, after a vile Brooklyn murder, a Brooklyn mother had blood on her hands and her feet and a little on her dress, but mostly, let's say, on her son, Michael Dunn, 42, is one and done on slaughter, but mother Maria Madalena will have to post a Bay Ridge vacancy as a former tenant has abruptly moved on up. Okay, what happened to the to him? other side? What happened to him? Well, that would be a her. That's Anna Marie Vardy, formerly oh, 52, dead as of 7 a.m. Wednesday. Neighbors heard a fracas. Uh, Daniel Monk heard lo- loud talking, then screaming, then nothing. Afterwards, the apartment was like a war zone with a casualty of one. Dunn dropped the knife when cops arrived, went peacefully in the next phase of his life. No one knows the motive. And no one knows what was happening prior to, except that there was some loud talking. 42-year-old Michael Dunn. Uh, yeah, so he's facing some charges now. Oh, okay. So he's he by the next phase of his life, you mean he was arrested, he was taken away? He no longer has control over his immediate surroundings. Um, you know, I saw a good movie once where they showed these guys coming into prison. I mean, it was a documentary. They show these guys coming into prison, and the, the guard or the warden is, is explaining to them. He's saying, listen, he gives them a, um, a copy of the 13th Amendment, and he says, okay, read this. And the guy reads it. He's like, okay, there shall be no involuntary servitude uh, and you know, work except in cases of imprisonment. He's like, okay, stop. He's like, that means that you are all property of the state. You can't do anything without my say-so. Except, what's the one thing you can do? He, they finally work it out that they can all breathe. Wow. They're allowed to breathe of their own volition. Mm-hmm. But he's like, anything else, you have to go through me. If you want to move, if you want to go to the bathroom, if you want to eat, if you want to do anything, except breathe, you have to go through me. So that's an interesting, you're right. Yeah. He's, by next phase of his life, he, you, he no longer has um, any control over what happens to him. Right, and then if you step out of line, guess what happens? Lose your breathing privileges. Well, that's then that that's next. Then you got to ask, uh, breathing it up here, boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty nuts, dude. Uh, pretty intense, right? Okay, yeah. we're gonna all read the Thirteenth Amendment now. This okay. doesn't apply to you. <laughs> 
That's awesome. That you find out exactly what you've lost, then, don't you? Well, uh, it sounds like it. A cop got shot. Um, this happened right here in New York City. Uh, this this was sent to me via text by a friend. NYPD cop shot by a deranged gunman is in good spirits. And I guess that's, that's... That's the cop? I guess so. It looks more like the retarded boy he would have saved. Yeah. I shouldn't make fun. His name is uh, Hart Nguyen. When? When? I don't know. Yesterday? Today? No, no. That's how you pronounce that name. <laughs> Hours after uh, surviving four shots fired by a crazed gunman, a, uh, an NYPD cop is okay, smiling, and uh, he's just fine. Yeah, well, the, his vest saved him. His vest did save him. He caught three rounds with it, uh, and uh, the, the guy uh, killed himself uh, in his Oh, he apartment. did? Yeah. He's dead? Yeah, he is dead. This is uh, Officer Hart Wynn of the 75th Precinct, hit twice in the bulletproof vest, once in the arm when responding to a call. Wow. Turned out uh, he was rushed to Jamaica Hospital. I believe it said that he caught a, a three in there, but I don't know. Maybe it was just two. So the, uh, the mother called 911, used her son as an EDP. She, uh, oh, this is how the whole thing got started, okay? Uh, the guy's mother uh, called uh, and, and reported him as an ETB, uh, EDP, which stands, of course, for... Emotionally uh, disturbed person. Yes, that's psycho. The mother called 911 because her son's an EDP. Uh, when the officers got into the, get into the apartment, he comes out of the bedroom shooting, just like that. Police still not sure what kind of weapon the man is carrying. So, okay, wait a second. This is fucked up. How could there they not be, be sure what weapon he was carrying? There must be. This must be something that they, they got. They didn't have any details yet. But I, I thought I read a later version of it. But uh, clearly, this story is hmm. not ready to discuss. Yeah, uh, this but the is guy a, did shoot himself. Is right. what I was what I had read earlier. So there must be a better version of that somewhere. Not important. Uh, you know, hey, the important thing is uh, the library. Now, the library, there was a time. Do you remember like when, how like you go and you'd have microfilm and microfiche? Oh, I don't yeah. know the fucking difference. Fiche, I guess. Microfiche. Well, microfiche were those kind of like uh, little four by six, uh, kind of like a transparent index card. Mm-hmm. That would have maybe uh, 140 pages. Oh, right. On it, which wow, or something. Can you believe? And you would, the ha- you would stick it in there and move it around, and you know it would be magnified, and you could look at the whatever the pages were. Rather um, primitive, uh, but well, still. by today's standards, yes. Then it seemed great. I mean, I, it was like amazing. Really? What you were you were looking at a lot of microfiche? Back sure, then? sure. Uh, of know. what? What? Like doing research or stuff? Yeah, you know. Oh, let's see what was in. Um, Time magazine in 1972, or uh, let's see what. Um, and and you had all those old periodicals on on microfiche. Yeah, sure. Huh? And that's what that's what it was for. Just old periodicals, basically. Huh? I, I mean, wonder, I suppose it could have been for anything. I, I wonder if you can still get anything. You know, I guess not past a certain date in microfiche. You would think, but maybe they still, maybe it's one of those things where they keep doing it just because, you know, like, like a, somebody they, they don't want to fire 80 you, people. Um, yeah, I, I bet they're not still putting um, the New York Times on microfiche or microfilm. <laughs> you I, know, could, I could be wrong. I think, think that probably that went There will out. ever come a time when, uh, just to, to, you know, make a real question out of it, when they won't print real newspapers, when, when it'll all be so, it'll all be digital, no papers. Um, I think... Uh, it'll be like kind of a luxury item. Certain people, you know, you always meet these people who are, who are like, well, I just love the feel of newsprint. And, 
you know, kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, those are the guys who are like, uh, yeah, every every Sunday, got to have my Chicago trip. Got to have the sure, trip. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a little bit like um, people who are super into, uh, you know, uh, audiophiles, maybe. People are really into their vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Like carting around... Um, like these hundred pound boxes of of record albums everywhere. Yeah, I did anything that's not inconvenient is just not worth doing. Right. Yeah. Um. Or uh, you know, I I, I mean, to look, me, reading I, a newspaper is kind of easy though. I pick up a newspaper almost every day because uh, of the copy of the post. It's 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 you know it's basically an addiction. You know, to to actually purchasing it, not to reading it. Yeah, I guess some people like to read a book. They like it to be a, a nice book. Well, I did for years, and I still have all these books. But really, um, I just read all my books on my phone now. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of idiotic. But I, at the same time, I used to always have to carry a book with me everywhere, and it was. Um, that's, that's yeah. That's not convenient, annoying, especially because I would get to work late every day, and walk in carrying a book under my arm. I don't think that was a great look. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that like helped my um my progress in the corporate world. Looks like a do you have a, like a boss? It's like a, oh look, like you Seth, did you stop by the library on the way here? <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I, I think people probably thought I was a bit of an asshole, but mm. you know. If if to me, if a good number of people don't think you're an asshole, then you're probably an asshole. If they don't think I'm an asshole? Well, I kind of like the formulation that goes like this. If you meet one asshole a day, that's pretty. That's par for the course. Yeah. If you meet two assholes a day, well, that's bad luck. Mm-hmm. And if you meet three assholes in a day, well, you're probably the asshole. <laughs> right. I, I had a feeling it might be that. It Especially might be coming down to that, right? I realized that when I quit smoking, that like I was like, everybody's such a dick lately yeah and then uh yeah i guess it was just uh, some intense emotions i was feeling i think part of growing up is sort of decentering yourself in that way yeah it's tough to do and and really i'm not so sure that, you know what it does do it takes a lot of pressure off of your life when you do that what to just realize that you're kind of a stupid schmuck like everybody else well, yeah realizing that you're an insect basically and that you know right that planet has been whatever and that like all these swarms of things come and live and die and it's and it's all really rather on the cosmic level pretty quick about uh, a couple years ago i had this i have this friend uh he's my he's my cousin's husband and we're pretty close and um he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and um that's and a shame I, no no it was terrible so i would sort of be always making fun of him <laughs> about it and then one day he was finally like i really don't want he was really annoyed that i was that i kept doing it i was saying but you know i'm just kidding right but then i realized like oh i'm just being a fucking piece of shit (laughs) it doesn't matter the kidding part doesn't matter (laughs) right so i said i'm really sorry and he was like that's fine that's fine just you know Maybe cool it on the multiple sclerosis <laughs> jokes. And then, dig this. Uh, what sort of joke would you make? I mean, I, I would, you know, I don't really remember. I would sort of say, like, well, you have multiple sclerosis, but I'm fat. So I know what it's like. In fact, I have it worse because my, my disability is so obvious. Now that, that, that is pretty offensive, yeah. No, I mean, it was ridiculous. And then, to add insult to injury... 
a little a couple years after his diagnosis, it turned out that his um one of his kidneys was completely riddled with cancer and had been for a long time. And then, so you had to go through all the, the same thing with the cancer. Kidney. Well, I didn't I, I didn't make no, fun of that would have been that totally been. off limits. I'm with you on that. Right. But come on. Cancer come kidney. Come on. You've had a cancerous <laughs> kidney for 10 years and you expect me not to make fun of it? <laughs> Fuck you. Some people really don't like to laugh. I'd like to think that I would be a, a person who could, like, you know, enjoy my, my misfortune, or will enjoy it when it comes, because it's coming. Right. Something horrible is going to happen. I don't know what it'll be. I think the the worst thing that could happen would be if I got mouth cancer. I don't even want to say it, but I'm yeah. going to. And, okay. like, my tongue is removed. Right. And then I can no longer, you know, obviously Talk. do the show. That would be my main concern. You could blink the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, a, you know point to the sign the letter board and stuff like that right. you know like, i guess yeah, i could be, be a good podcast i'd probably first thing i would do get a youtube channel you know and just <laughs> bark the news so i think that would be bad for me that would, that's probably the worst i wouldn't want that to happen you know we live near a home for the blind right on 23rd street you know i did i do know that and i i i was just walking down the street one day at 23rd Street near there, 6th Avenue. I think I was on my way to that uh, place that used to fix Apple shit. And I mean, there's a lot of blind fuckers on this. <laughs> Past like three, four blind people, and then a couple were talking against. Oh, and then I saw that. Yeah. The place is called Visions. Visions. Sell us home for the blind. But that's where the um, the terrorist put set his bomb. I mean, it's you can't argue with the logic. What, to kill all the blind people? That nobody will be a witness. Oh, you know. wow. That's so true. Yeah, the, you're the, the fairly good chance that, that some of them... And it, it did terrify them, too. Uh, like, the people in there. I mean, obviously, it would terrify anybody, but, I mean, all the more if you can't immediately ascertain, you know, exactly what the fuck. You know what's funny? One time, I was walking with my wife on 23rd Street, right past the uh, Home for the Blind, and... um. I was commenting to her on how nice 23rd Street is, and I see this couple coming up towards us, this man and this woman. She was maybe in her 30s, blonde. What a cunt. And um, out of nowhere, she just lunges at me and, like, punches me in the face. Really? Yeah. And I was like, what? You know, and I, was I just, knew it. How did I call that? <laughs> well, you were kind of right. I think she was just really drunk. And then um, she hit me a couple times. I was like, what are you doing? I mean, I didn't, it's not like, I always figured if someone attacks me, I will just like snap into some kind of, you know, incredibly uh, uh, astute ninja mode and just like pummel them. Right. But I was just flabbergasted. I was like, what are you doing? And um, and then the guy like kind of quickly, they went into the Cellus Home Visions Home for the Blind. Okay. Which was weird. I mean, I, they weren't blind. I called the police, and they um they went and they went and got her. Good, good. Did did you ever find anything out? No. They were like some mystery. Well, we could charge her with assault, but we maybe we'll just charge her with aggravated harassment. And <laughs> they like to downgrade exactly. Shit. Yeah, they keep our crime numbers down. Like listen. That, so I lived that um that phenomenon. Uh, yeah, directly managing crime. You have to manage it. Right. It isn't right. just about like uh, yes. you know controlling it. You just have to. You have to manage those numbers. Right. 
uh, yeah, in fact, uh, they there was there's always some discussion of that, and uh, I, you know, I think that, that whatever they're doing, it's brilliant because like I would I would swear that I read about a lot of shootings and a lot of you know a fair amount of murders, but like a lot of shootings and a lot of uh, burglaries and robberies and shit like that, a lot of assaults. And yet, uh, the crime numbers, they seem to be stable and going down. They seem to be going way down. Yeah. Uh, which, I, don't, I don't know. I know we talk about this every week, I think but that, it's, there's something fishy going on. Something micro-fishy going on. Well, for instance, there was, a, there was a time when the library was considered sacred, you know, a place for reading, learning, contemplation, and study. But then homeless people started using them to freshen up with whore baths after taking long shits with sp- which smelled better than their grimy denim uh, pant legs, literally. You know, I mean, like sure. their their feces smells better than their clothes. Uh, men who could clear an entire area uh, that that you know that one area uh, around those four tables near the back. Oh, they just take off a single shoe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like uh, it's uh, I I've, I've smelled feet on the fucking subway before. They just uh, like, out, know, of like a, out of a crypt. <laughs> That definitely a medical problem is happening. Oh my god, are you kidding? It's like practically um, all the. I mean, I've I've smelled the worst things I've ever smelled on the subway, mm, mm-hmm. like fungating flesh, mm. like rotting, like the in someone's insides are coming out. I, yeah, that's a bad smell. I have actually though. I think I've smelled the worst things that I've ever smelled in in jars that had gone bad. Okay. Stuff. Okay. For once, for instance, I once had a jar of something in the refrigerator. I think it was a jar of uh, it was craft rotted flesh. So, <laughs> but, th- but that's only because it was past the expiration date. Yeah, I, I mean by a while. Right. It was a good six months. Now it's no surprise that the libraries uh, are not just stinky, but also dangerous in violent Brooklyn, where a 26-year-old woman was attacked by a knife-wielding 43-year-old while using a computer on the second floor of the violent Brooklyn Public Library. And Terrence Wilmont slashed the woman's left index finger and right hand with a kitchen knife. Yeah, he had it in the wrong room. I mean, go to the Mid-Manhattan Library someday. Mm-hmm. It is demented. Like going into, I don't know, Port Authority. Like just standing at terminals, kind of just uh, rocking. There's people sleeping in the stairwell. A snake handling church service. I mean, a snake handling church service would be a step up because at least they're like there's like social interaction. <laughs> so you mean it looks like kind of a, like a psych ward of some sort? Yes, it's crazy. Huh. It's really interesting. I mean, it's kind of um, frightening. They don't. It see. They seem to have keep them out of the main branch. Yeah. Well, that's good. Although you know, my wife had her had her like uh, bag stolen there. There's all kinds of. Um, I mean, libraries have always been a place for like filthy perverts and um, you know masturbators and uh, seat sniffers. That's just and, the librarians. That's <laughs> <laughs> Just, just the reference librarians. But, the, no, I mean, it's always been, like, notorious. But uh, I, I think maybe it's gotten a little uh, out of hand. Yeah, it may it may have. You know, I have an interview that actually, um, it, it sort of uh, dovetails uh, directly out of this. I think I'm going to include a few minutes of that on this episode. What the hell? Uh, we'll be hearing uh, from Dan Kleinman, who is uh, a library safety advocate. And he's uh, very concerned with the condition of the libraries, and he's got a lot of. Uh, he seems to think that uh, the, you know, the library association, yeah, is uh, trying to 
get child porn. Uh, I'll let him explain it. Dan Kleinman will be on uh, a little later in the show. We'll hear from him. Great. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, our uh, 43-year-old staver, that is one uh, Terrence Wilmont. That's right. He is uh, arrested on charges of assault, menacing, and menacing assault, and criminal possession. possession assault, menacing, menacing assault. <laughs> That's like gyro sauce, gyro sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I want gyro sauce and gyro sauce. Bronx Wal- uh, Walgreens employee saved a shopper from a vicious sex attack on Thursday, but I guess we'll never really know when he heard her screaming in the bathroom and rushed to the rescue. What if he got back there and she was just taking a vicious dump? 50-year-old woman took a break from shopping to use a single occupancy unisex bathroom just before 4 p.m., This is at the White Plains Road store. As she exited, the unidentified man forced her back into the restroom. He then covered her mouth and attempted to remove her pants. Wow. That guy's all hands, isn't he? Uh, The employee, who has not yet been identified by police, pulled the man away from the victim after hearing her scream and rushing over. Thank God. Yeah, he he, he took care of business. That guy's uh, like a hero. He is like a hero. I mean, mean, he actually is a hero. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he is. Why? Yeah, I agree. Why is no, because you said because I said he's like a hero, and you said he is like a hero, and oh, then I yeah. said, oh no, no, he is a hero. Well, he's similar to a hero in this instance. We don't know. I mean, he may be in on this thing. Well, maybe he uh, staged the whole thing just to get oh, a raise or something. I mean, like, look, I, I don't believe nothing that I read. You're you're like um, you're hardcore. Uh, you know, I, that's too bad for the woman who's fifty. Because very old women get raped, not infrequently. I get the feeling that people who rape people um, are the best people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I think it's true that they um, that it's about power. Yeah. About, it's, like, it's not about that Cialis erection that won't uh, go right, away. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to give these guys too much credit, but I, I think that they're kind of usually like rather pathetic. Oh, come on, they're so powerful. They proved it. What have you done to prove your power? You well, couldn't take on the woman on Twenty Third Street. Yeah, that's true. Couldn't even get her thrown in jail. Well, do you mind if I read this last part here? No, please go ahead. Police described the attacker as a black male, thirty to thirty-five years old, and approximately six foot two. Jesus. He was last seen wearing blue jeans, a gray sweatshirt, a white t-shirt, and black and white sneakers. Now, okay, a black male, thirty to thirty-five years old, and approximately six foot two. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, culturally speaking, this is like. This guy is, you know, I mean, he could be in any television commercial as, like, the the sexy hero. Yeah. Um, and so maybe he feels like... Not like, as like the sexy hero. Yeah. The sexy, the sexy hero. Like, maybe he, he felt like, why, where's mine? I'm six foot two. I'm 30 years old. I'm a black male. Why aren't I... Where's my 50-year-old woman in where's, Walgreens where's, bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I see this commercial. They've always got these black men, fucking fifty-year-old women, yeah, right in the Walgreens bathroom. Where's mine? Where's my? Well, so we I mean, gotta stop modeling that in those commercials. I guess so. I mean, we're setting the, the expectations too high. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe grope somebody on the D train or something well, next time. I don't know. Well, I hope that I'm glad that they caught the guy. Oh, they didn't catch him. He fled. He fled, and uh, you know, he probably you know uh, was fleet of foot. At, at only 30 to 35 years old, uh, and, and uh, you know, 6'2", yeah. you know, possibly an athletic build. 
but hey, you know what? The thing is, I'm against rape altogether. I don't know why yes. you're kind of for it, but I am. No, 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 no. I'm Did against I misunderstand? it. Oh, okay. No, I'm 100 percent against it. So we're it. both 100 percent against it. That's absolutely. Yeah, see, that's an important thing to note. Apparently, I'm not saying that this guy um, should be cut a break. Oh no, far from it. I think they should get him and. Um, Lynch him, right? Well, I wouldn't go. <laughs> By the way, Pat, did you see that there's some school, some community up in Washington State? Yeah. This I thought was great. Okay. And it was called like Lynch Meadow and Lynch Valley Schools. Mm-hmm. And they voted to change the name of the school, to take Lynch out of the name of the school yeah. because of the terrible history of lynching. I'll tell you, that is, that's. And and what's what's best is that that they change the name to Hang 'em High. But think about if they were to extend this, like Mr. Burns. We're sorry, you have to change the your horrible name. history of Mr. Burning. Mr. Mr. Cross. Mr. Cross. I'm I mean, there's all kinds of things that would have to lose their name, and that wouldn't be due to the crucifixion with the cross. Would no, it no, be? no. Like because Burt Cross burned because of cross burnings. Exactly. Yeah, um, that would be it. You know, uh, Mr. Uh, 45 caliber revolver. Right. Right. You, you have to change it. Well, you know. <laughs> well, Washington Bullets changed their name. That's true. They did. Yeah. And uh, which is, I mean, I, that I don't like that. I think Bullet was a fine name. Why well, I, than... I grew up down there. So I used to go to Washington Bullets games and, um, you know. Not much to see, right? I mean, the Bullets. Well, they weren't. Well, they, they, they they're won. They're an NBA they, team. They won the championship in 77, um, I think. But I didn't know you were an NBA, uh, NBA fan. No, I'm not. But I, I, I can't get into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little boring. People who watch NBA uh, are people who like to, you know, they're they're going to follow a sport ten months out of the year or something like that. The season is ridiculous; it goes on forever. Well, th- to me, the season, the, the, the craziest season is the hockey season. I mean, why are they playing hockey in? It's close to July when they finish it up, the Stanley Cup. But that's right. Where it gets when you want to be near that ass. <laughs> It's I hot outside. So. I won't get on that. I'm not a football fan, but at least it's like a reasonably brief season. It's a brief, intense season. Yeah, I do love the NFL. I, although I haven't been able to follow it lately, I think I'm going to get back into it now when Las Vegas has their team. I think that's what's going to do it for me. Okay. I don't think either one of us is very interested in crime, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly not interested in sports. <clears throat> yeah, so... So uh, we we might as well turn the topic back to uh, well this is a not a crime but it, it, it was certainly a well, tragedy. Well, we were here. talking about crime. I said that they that this place was changing the name from Lynch, and then we did extend that, and the names do get changed. Uh, you know, I but but what I guess there's a lot of people named Lynch. You know, right? I used to date a person named including Lynch. like Loretta Lynch. Loretta Lynch. <laughs> Does she have to change her name? Uh, I, if she goes to Washington State, she I, might, guess so. I, I guess so. I, it, but if they voted to do it, it wasn't like a, an order from the federal government or some shit. But I bet you the people who, uh, like, whoever the Lynch was that founded that high school and his family and blah, 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 you know, I bet you they don't really like that. No, they don't. In fact, because the great-grandson is still around and he was there and he thought it was like, idiotic. That's my granddaddy's name. Well, I only brought it up because we do talk about, like, you know, political correctness going amok. I mean, I sort of see that as adjacent to the the primary focus of New York City Crime Report. There's no topic that can't be discussed because, really, crime touches everything. 
And I mean, crime touches everything. Crime, every crime touches everything, I'll say. Uh, in some sense, it touches on every aspect of life, you know? I mean, like, crime is something that you either fear or that you are a part of or that you fight or that you enable or that you, you know, uh, or that you just observe, you know? It's something you laugh about or it's something that you that you find very serious or whatever, but it's something that's there always. I mean, as, as long as there's laws, there'll be crime. That's definite. That's one of those four definites, you know what I mean? It, it sure is eating and breathing and entertainment is like a natural thing. And, and that is a natural thing that happens. It's a nat- sex. It's just as natural as sex. Hmm. Maybe we're all born with a certain capacity for it. And it's either, it's like playing the violin, you know? Either you take lessons or you uh, break it over somebody's head. I you know? see. Uh, thank you, Monsieur Genet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that reference. <laughs> oh, but. you know, Jean Genet, like the... You wrote like a thief's journal, and uh, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there was well, French French writer, homosexual kind of romanticized crime, and um, well, that's redundant. French homosexual. Well, maybe because if you're French out there, you're a homo. Keep you understand? It, keep that. Keep put that in your pocket. We got a, a message here, an email from uh, uh, he actually contacted you. Uh, comes to us from uh, I, I won't read his last name. I guess I, through my work. <laughs> that was just, that he <laughs> he wrote to me at work, but that's allowed, right? Yeah, why not? He was responding to an article I wrote, uh, and uh, he says, "I have been enjoying your appearances on the New York City Crime Report, which is where I heard you mention the wildly inappropriate, and the ads parenthetically, one might say, extremely politi- politically incorrect." protest sign you wrote about in assassination fantasies that was your good piece of about uh two weeks ago yeah and uh i, I think uh you were talking about somebody having a, a sign that said they had a list of the, the the presidents who've been assassinated and trump uh it was at the last of the list right who he's not been assassinated and right. uh, and he won't be uh but uh, not if I can help it. No, not if I can. If I have to throw myself in front of the bullet, would you take a bullet for the president? No, to the president. Uh, would I take it to him? I just, <laughs> hey, Mister. <laughs> the, the letter continues. I was hoping uh, you could point to the column, which surely exists, where you criticized Donald Trump when he said, and I quote here, it's in quotes, "If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks." Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. Uh, I guess he felt that uh, that that was uh, in, similar to having a yeah. sign that, that yeah. indicated you should jump. Yeah. So then I, I continue. Assassin, assassination threats from the GOP's candidate for president, ostensibly one of the richest, most powerful men in the country, should be taken at least as seriously as some guy with a sign, one would think. Um it's a little sarcasm there. A little sarcasm. I mean, I don't think that... Um, mild. I don't think Trump uh, was really saying that the uh, Second Amendment um, advocates should um, should have assassinated uh, Hillary Clinton. I, I don't either. Uh, also, I... Although, I guess maybe it's a little... Um, I guess you can't really completely discount that reading either. Well, I certainly can. I mean, uh, although uh, with Trump, anything's possible. But I also think at the same time, he could be saying that uh, even if he's advocating for somebody to be shot, it could be the judge picks that he's talking about. So it's not really like, you know, maybe you can do something about it. 
uh, you know, it's 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 pretty non-specific. Is what I'm saying. There's no it name. Is. There's no it is. no name attached. No, no, to that. no. And I don't think that's what he meant anyway. I think what he meant is that the Second Amendment. Uh, uh, you know, the people who are into it is very powerful. It's like abortion. It's a big issue for yeah, them. Yeah, they can Sweet. they can rally and prevent her election. And there's many many people they can rally and prevent her election through and legal means. Through legal means, without firing a shot. Through using the ballot rather than the bullet. That's right. Continues. Also, I was under the impression that Trump's election uh, was the start of a golden era of free speech and the end of political correctness. Is it your opinion that non-PC, unfettered freedom of expression, okay, only extends, I guess, uh, to being uh, openly racist without consequences? And he says, I look forward to your response. Keep up the great work. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, my, uh, I have opinions about this. As I'm sure you do, uh, maybe maybe you don't. Uh, I don't know how much. Uh, I think you took this a lot more seriously than I did. Well, I, <laughs> well, yeah, because like you, you know, wrote a whole essay. You have fans, okay. I, I don't know. I don't really know. I I, I don't hear. I, I hear from fans sometimes, but I'm always happy to hear their uh, responses and shit. Yeah. I mean, you have, you you have like a following. Well, I have, people listen. You're to a the performer. Show. You have a show. Mm-hmm. I I think his use of ostensibly isn't quite right. First of all, I, I mean, there's no doubt uh, that uh, Trump clearly was and is one of the most uh, powerful men in the country. You know. I think sure. I think he just threw that in there to, to kind of sound Sounds smart. smart. Yeah, yeah, because uh, ostensibly one of the well, no, he's he's quite obviously definitely that. So. He's manifestly. Yeah, it, it's pretty much political suicide for a lot of senators if they were approving a judge and the judge was pro gun control uh, to to approve that guy. You know, I don't think that a lot of them are going to do that. Um, well, yeah, sure, depending on what state they're in, of course. And 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 I am reading this because I wrote this down. I, I'm not gonna. I, I could mail this guy this, but I think I'll just read it anyway. Go to this. More to the point. That's right. Your, uh, the guy. Your criticism of Trump, Tim, for making that statement. It's hardly needed. Is 100 percent of of uh, the MSM outlets, mainstream media. Right. Uh, he said already had that. Co- I think they already had that covered. Yes. And the point was made, albeit falsely. Right. Uh, and and however, you know, we don't hear as much about uh, in those outlets about. The violent undertones and very often overtones in the rhetoric of the left in general, let alone singling out someone at a trans rights rally. Can you that's, imagine? That's right. That's it, guess what, Tim? It's not my job to call out um, Trump for something that happened like a year ago. Right. I'm covering this rally. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I believe we heard a lot about that uh, other shit with Trump anyway. Now yeah. we've, we we've heard nothing from the left regarding the need to preserve some sense of respect for the office of president. Or at the very least, refrain from publicly stating it would be awesome if he got assassinated. Absolutely. I mean, you, you do hear this kind of thing yeah, pretty frequently. It's not uncommon. The guy with the sign represents something that we've seen from the left, this vitriolic call to arms, which is completely ignored by the media, but is something of which people do need to be aware. I think that alone justifies a choice of uh, topic in your article. By the way, it's also flawed, Tim, your message, in that... Uh, you pretend to believe that Seth's problem with the sign is, uh, is that it's politically uh, incorrect. Right. If anything, uh, statements like this about Trump aren't politically incorrect enough. In some circles, they're downright trendy. In fact, among groups of the most PC people, wishing a violent death on President Trump is practically a given. Oh, sure, sure. Like the woke, the woke people think that that's like just totally non-controversial. Yeah. So it's far from politically incorrect. Right. It's it's almost uh, politically incorrect not to have that opinion. That's right. Now, so part of the part of the problem, uh, which uh, you were talking about, Seth, was the lack of any per- perceivable uh, concern 
uh, or disapproval on the part of the other protesters or anyone else who happen to be around. Like, either they agree or they don't want to risk being ostracized from the social, but uh, for the social crime of not being anti-Trump enough. Right. Like, I think that was would be the larger part of it. If you were to speak up and say, "Hey, that's out of line." Then you know what you're not. Uh, oh you're yeah, not everybody. Down with the cause. Everybody would shout them down and yell at, be like yell at them. And they at least have the fear that that would happen. They they're certainly not going to defend Trump. So like, think about that. You know, uh, that sign was probably very popular. Either uh, either of those possibilities, though. You know, whether whether they just didn't care or they were afraid to say something. Right. They both support the reality that this kind of language, as well as the sentiment underlying, is sadly quite PC. Uh, you know, that's unless you're you're asking uh, certain people of an older generation now right. who might oppose Trump but do understand it just isn't done. But when's the last time a few old farts like that got somebody kicked off Twitter? So in short, uh, I don't. By the way, I'm, I don't think that you're truly for being openly racist without consequences no absolutely not i don't think that's the desired result of moving past i'm not even i'm not even um in favor of being um secretly racist yeah i i can't say that i am either although i support anybody's right to think anything they want in their brains i don't think that's the biggest thing moving past the pc uh, moment that we're in uh is is so we can all be racist Openly right, racist right. without consequences. No, uh, but uh, the PC issue tends to be used as a tool to shut down many ideas, which are far more uh, important than tasteless jokes about race, uh, while giving life and legs to other ideas, which are far more destructive, as well as a weapon to punish those who step out of line, and a tacit threat to anybody who may question the fairness of all this. That's what's wrong with PC, yes. is that it's used to silence people. It's used to control people. Right. And, you know, when you talk about PC thought, there was a time when that wasn't even a concern. It wasn't about PC thought. It was about we just PC. It's just a code of words that, we, that we've all agreed to use or not use in mixed company when everybody's around just so we can all kind of like take the dialogue mm-hmm. to a, a place. Are you uh, saying just like good manners? Yeah, basically, yeah. So you're saying that what used to be just good manners, like PC has kind of taken over manners. Well, it's 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 taken it over, but it's run rings around it, you know. Right. Like it, it's gotten extreme. Like, it's like f- see, those who oppose the PC police, like I guess uh, you and me, uh, and probably most people, I don't think that they necessarily champion openly racist speech. No. Although, you know, anything constitutionally protected, you know, it's I'm not going to go against the Constitution. That's an American value that should be defended. Yes. Rather, I take exception with the ever-expanding breadth of words and thoughts and ideas, which can currently be considered racist in the name of the PC ideal. It's not so much that you want to be able to, like, say racist shit. It's the fact that I don't consider that racist. I don't consider uh, a lot of racial jokes to be racist. I don't consider... A lot of things which involve ethnicity to be racist, and right. almost anything qualifies now. So, you know, that is really... By the way, the terms wildly inappropriate and politically incorrect are not interchangeable, okay? Right, right. So, you That's know, true. Just, just because, uh, you know, you, you said a sign was inappropriate, it doesn't mean that you're saying... That's not politically correct. You got that, Tim, if that's really your name? <laughs> It's the inability or unwillingness of people like Tim to make these kinds of distinctions, which leads to a perceived need for a PC code to begin with, as well as providing a breeding ground 
for its excesses. Boom. Yeah. Now you're a writer. That yeah. was a pretty good writing. Oh, that was that was phenomenal, Pat. Yeah. Why aren't you writing for City Journal? I appreciate the message uh, to Seth. I can't believe that I've never said anything you've disagreed with enough to to, to send me a message. You know, I mean, like, don't uh, you get I, messages? I, I, not from Tim. Oh yeah. Hey, I am not hard to find, my man. Well, if you recall, I mean, he 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 <laughs> didn't um, disagree with anything I said on your show. He disagreed with an article I wrote. Oh, that's true. Okay. But, uh, okay, then I guess you wrote to the right place. But, I mean, you said, you, we, we both say things all the time. That's true. That, would, that, that I would assume someone who feels that way would be uh, not in favor of. Right, right. Well, I also got a, a, a message from one, uh, Matt Rose Valley. Now, he's a filmmaker. You may know him. He uh, made a movie about uh, Charles Ng and, uh, and his partner, Leonard Lank. And uh, it's, it's a, ver- a rather grim movie, The Miranda Murders. Lost Tapes of Leonard Lank and Charles Ng, the film. Wait, wait, so these, they don't actually have the tapes, they just... They have reenactments of the tapes, but they are accurate. I don't know how they got to hear them. Okay. But I will find out when I speak to uh, the filmmaker here. That sounds rather, uh, does sound rather gruesome. Yeah, it's going to be uh, grim. They, they try to turn a lot of women into sex slaves. Uh, it says they kidnapped over 20 women here between December 1983 and June of uh, 1984. Uh, they filmed their progress and various journal entries uh, about their crimes, and, and uh, they have a series of private tapes, uh, which were later used as evidence to convict of the court. Yeah. I mean, probably a lot of your audience isn't familiar with Charles Ng and um, Leonard Lake. Well, then we will expose them to that. Uh, they, we were, it was in California, actually. Uh, the film stars uh, Joanna Ray, Teresa Ireland, Kelly Wheat, and uh, Kelsey C. Magel. 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 Well, the, the important thing is we'll probably get to see a few of them topless. Here we are. The film is the true story. The film is the true story of Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, two former veterans who, uh, between... Uh, December 83, June of 84, kidnapped over 20 women. Together, the two worked to condition these women into becoming their personal sex slaves. Lake and Ng filmed their progress and various journal entries about their crimes in a series of private tapes, which were later used to convict the two in court. After the trial, the tapes were hidden away from the public. The Miranda murders recreates the real-life footage shot by the actual killers as a means of telling the story through their eyes. It shows the chronology of the situations that lead to the initial kidnappings and follows Lakening's various attempts at brainwashing and torturing their victims into submission. The characters in the film are all, are all portrayals of the actual victims, and every scene has been heavily researched to be as accurate as possible to the real-life footage not available to the public. This style of filmmaking provides audiences with an experience that allows them to get inside the minds of a real life uh, murderer. I'm not sure I want to be in that um, in that mind. But it says that they kidnapped twenty women over the course of six months. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they and that's an estimate because uh, they gathered some bones that they found on the premises and weighed them and everything and determined that it was about eleven people. And then they found, you know, some other evidence to suggest that there might have been up to 25 That's based on some IDs. That's crazy they had. in such a short period of time. Well, they started with the neighbors, you know, and then worked their way out. I guess they were in a very rural area. Am I? Am I? No, they were in a very rural area that, you know, no one, it's like space, you know, like they were uh, unable to. 
hear anyone scream. Yes. But they uh, they certainly could hear it and, and probably rather enjoyed it. I mean, they, they sound like just awful people. I mean, if you look at a picture of this Charles Ng guy, he's a frightening, frightening fellow. Oh, he's, well, he, is he really? He just looks like well, Asian just, to me. Yeah. Are you that horrified by Asians? Well, I'm not horrified. I mean, he just look the, the expression on his face. I mean, come on. See, he just looks like a computer nerd to me. That guy right there. This guy? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but that's Look kind of guy. terrifying. No, only because you know what he did. I guess so. Although he that's the smallest that's the smallest the smallest features on the largest face I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like he drew a, a little smiley face on a basketball. Here's what he looked like at the time. He was much younger then. This is uh, as we go to black and white. But uh, yeah, I, just, I guess he was kind of handsome in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he he sort of pulls off those Peter Fonda like you yeah, know, sunglasses yeah, yeah, during yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he's always wearing like they look like sun sensors. Right. It's, it's interesting that his um, what you said about his accomplice, who yeah, his, had his secreted Leonard, Leonard Lake cyanide pills. On his in his clothing and was able to commit suicide upon arrest. Yes, in order to escape uh, justice. But Charles Ng managed to like defer justice for like fifteen years by going fleeing to Canada and fighting extra. He was just just spin out every possible judicial like yeah. delay effect. And He's still on death row. Is he on death row? Yeah. San Quentin. There's a man who just, you know, yeah, they say like uh, AIDS is is no longer a death sentence, you know, because you can, or HIV is no longer yeah. a death sentence. Well, really, a death sentence is no longer a death sentence because you, you can really drag it out. Uh, and he, of course, he drug out the whole process, even pre trial. He drug it out. <laughs> he drug it out, yeah. Um, he dragged yeah, it no, out. No, he did. He did. Uh, but people still do get executed. Uh, well, sure. Yeah, if they if they got convicted in the seventies, it does seem to take a long time. Uh, it's 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 not the swift kind of thing that they have. And see, that that's one thing that Muslims do get right. In Muslim countries, I think, you know, when it comes to yeah corporal punishment, they do have that down. In order or in to, China, in China, yeah, in China, I believe, like you, if you get the death sentence, they take you out and execute you immediately. Yeah, and it's not this big dramatic thing. You know, you just you you walk out, and they I think they just drive a claw hammer into your head, and uh, and laugh. You know, as a public executions are heinous, I'm sure, uh, not something I would ever want to be a party to. Uh, but at the same time, fuck this guy, you know. Yeah. Well, I will be interviewing, uh, you know, uh, in the very near future, uh, Matt Rose Valley, and I guess we're going to shoot it and uh, throw it up on Compound, and uh, we'll have a chunk of that here, possibly. And if not, then uh, you can be sure and tune in. Uh, subscribe to Compound Media for a very reasonable uh, reasonable price, $5 a month. Of course, it depends on how long you do it. You can do a trial month, right? You know, but we're talking about a matter of a couple of bucks swing either way, so... There's really no way to do it that, that you lose. Go to compoundmedia.com, and uh, it takes about 10 seconds or so to, you know, get to pay the thing, and then you're watching me. So, like, uh, I mean, like, what could be better? And some of those old episodes, there's some TNA and everything, you know? Oh, like, really? Yeah. God, we got really racy there for a while and had a few porn girls on there who would, you know, do various things. I know my wife knew where Mandy Miller. She's off, uh, often wearing something very low-cut on there. Oh, yeah, how come um, how come we don't have any of this kind of um, 
action on the, on the podcast. Well, you cannot duplicate from one medium to the next. Unfortunately, you know. I, I, although, if, if it would make saying, you happy, you're, I could, you're saying it wouldn't. It wouldn't translate. I'm saying it wouldn't play. Yeah. Although, maybe it would. You know, maybe, uh, what could it hurt? We could try it. It wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I would probably get a kick the out. The thing of is, it. is that those often those people, those women who do porn, are interesting to look at. And not as interesting to, to uh, listen to, right? When they just start speaking, you go, "Oh, that's well." So didn't okay. Howard Stern do a whole like build a whole career out of interviewing porn actresses? Yeah, did you enjoy that? No, as you can see here, I see some of those pictures. Yeah, no, that the Asian girl up there, I I think her yeah. name is Lisa something. I don't remember, but okay. she was really incredibly hot and fun. Wow, like, I, I'm not really like always. Uh, I don't have a fetish or anything. But she was, uh, she just had it down. I mean, she's, of all the women who have ever tried to bullshit me into being attracted to them, she did it the best, the most believable. I feel like women are often trying to bullshit me into stopping being attracted to them. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, one up there is Mia Vallis. Uh, she's the one in the, top, uh, the second row middle. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, yeah. I, I glance at that all the time. I think it's Mandy because she's almost the same. They're both like six, just over six feet tall, blonde. Oh. And, uh, but Mia will just get completely naked. Really? Yeah, in studios and stuff like that. But I think they were all instructed to not get naked at all on my show because like one time they just stopped doing it. Now, we had Alexis Texas on the show one time and she's apparently very well known. I'd never heard of her. But Alexis Texas is, uh, you know, a lot of fun, and she was with a friend who uh, had a had a. Uh, she was Nikki uh, something, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. But uh, anyway, look, I mean, the point is, why why would I sit here and tell you about that? Sure. Oh boy, uh, Alexa was listening. Oh, in. hi. <laughs> uh, hey, Alexa. Uh, what's a porn star? I don't know that. Hey, Alexa. Who's the porn actress? Nikki? Sorry, I'm not sure about that. I, I think it woke up when you said Texas Alexis. Oh, Alexis. Oh, right. <laughs> of course. That's what woke it up. And, uh, I've never uh, seen one of these before. She begins to become. Oh, really? Hey, Alexa. Who is Seth Baron? Sorry, I'm not sure. Well, hey, Alexa. Who is Anthony Cumia? Anthony Cumia, the voiceover actor, formerly employed by WWFS in WAF and living in Long Island in San Juan Capistrano, California. Oh, he's also That's great. <laughs> she, she somehow managed to get that out without saying "cool motherfucker." I don't know how. Uh, so, uh, who, who would you like to hear about? That, that, that she maybe she's heard of. Will she know my voice, Alexa? Who is Pat Dixon? Patrick Kenneth McNeil Dixon, better known as Pat Dixon, was an English radio producer for BBC Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Of course she's called me on a long Thank you. Hey, Alexa. Who is the comedian Pat Dixon? Pat Dixon is an American comedian, podcaster, and journalist who lives and works in New York City. That's amazing. You just have to... You know, disambiguate it. Yeah. And then she's like, yep. And we'll talk about crime next time, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed this 25-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs>
read uh, Seth's stuff at City Journal. Go to city-journal.org uh, to find the articles which you may agree or disagree with. And don't ever hesitate to send uh, either one of us a message. It's always good to hear from you. If you're coming to New York City, uh, by all means, come and see a live shoot right there at the Kumia Studio, where the truth is still true. And if uh, you know you feel like it, you can support on Patreon. And uh, you're always welcome there. There's some video footage there. There's some nice stuff that you can't, uh, well, you know, that you can't get everywhere. Thank you one more time, Seth Barron. Thanks, Pat. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Joining me now, Dan Kleinman. Hey, Dan, how are you? Oh, just fine. Uh, you are involved with uh, a library organization that's concerned with uh, keeping porn out of libraries. Is that right? Uh, sort of right. Okay. Well, correct me then. What, what's, what goes on? Uh, what goes on is that uh, libraries can sometimes mislead people. Uh, about the law and uh, porn, including uh, internet porn in libraries. Mm -hmm. As a result, what I'd like to do is just advise people about the law and about how they're being misled, and let them make up uh, for their for them in their own minds what they'd like to do instead of being misled into individual doing the wrong choice. Thing. Yeah, that is important. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about, like um, how they might mislead people? Uh, sure. The United States uh, Supreme Court ruled in 2003 in a case of United States versus American Library Association that there is no First Amendment right to pornography in public libraries. Yeah, you have a First Amendment right to porn other places. Sure. But because of the special characteristics of a library, um, you don't have that right in a public library. Oh. Uh, yeah. Is, was it even close? I mean, like, but, and, and, and I guess what you're saying is the librarians, uh, they, for some reason, tell people that they do have a First Amendment right to porn? Uh, well, uh, they, they don't come out and say it so openly as that. Sometimes they do, actually. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do come out and say you have a First Amendment right to porn. Uh, other times they say things like, well, uh, pornography is constitutionally protected, and a library is for making constitutionally protected material available. Well, that's true, except in the case of Internet porn, according to the Supreme Court of the United States. Huh. Uh, have... Uh have you been involved directly with this, like with, you know, the libraries and stuff like that, like in, in writing letters and stuff like that? You understand, we communicated, I think, about two years ago almost, and I never could really latch on to what your campaign was. I thought it was very interesting, but I was like, what is this guy doing? Uh, so you're, it's a legal battle for you, right? Uh, it, it depends on the uh, on what's going on. Right now, I am in the middle of suing a library, and in another case, I was sued in federal court to try to silence me because I talk about how the American Library Association facilitates child pornography in public libraries, mm. and uh, that's very interesting. And they did it, including um, uh, via means of uh, including um, things that can be considered homophobic. And uh, in fact, uh, I think they try to promote this kind of stuff by any means possible, even if it includes homophobia. Uh, so, for example, a library, uh, the libraries have been advised that they are not judges. Therefore, they cannot determine what is child pornography. Therefore, if they see it, they have to ignore it and do not help the police in doing anything about it. <laughs> they can't. Well, Jesus, anybody can tell child... I mean, I would think, I mean, at a glance, that you would be able to... Boy, that looks a little young. 
it, well, this is part of the problem that I'm trying to point out to people is how, uh, is how uh, one library or, uh, association is misleading communities into thinking, well, the librarians must know what they're doing, so let's let them do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Is the library association pretty powerful? <laughs> um, well, that depends. Uh, we'll talk about the American Library Association. They have actually zero control over any libraries whatsoever. They have no official control, but they have a lot of uh, moral control, basically. Uh, via uh, a lot of means. Uh, and so, uh, for example, the way I started when I started and became uh, what became Safe Libraries was that a, a library had, pornog- had uh, Playboy magazine available for children to see. And uh, a parent try- asked the library to stop doing that, and they said no. So he, he put a, um, a letter into newspapers, and he got a lot of petitions, and the library still said no. So then he had a poll taken, and, and the poll showed that uh, 97%, 87% of the people did not want the library to have pornography, and the library still said, no, we're going to leave, uh, not pornography, a Playboy magazine for children, and we're still going to leave it in there. And so finally, the, the entire government of this town said, unanimously, we want you to stop buying Playboy magazine. And the library said, no, we're going to continue to buy Playboy magazine. And the, uh, the, and the, the library director was a, member of the, uh, was a member of the Council of the American Library Association. And the head of the American Library Association said in the Chicago Tribune, I'm sick and tired of people trying to turn libraries into safe places for children. Which is, <laughs> which is not the issue, but that's how she frames it. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, yeah, making it sound as if you're trying to ban everything uh, th- that isn't uh, Mother Goose or something. <laughs> but... It's not like that. And you, well, you said Playboy for children. There's not a Playboy for that. You just mean like it's available to children if they want it. Yes. Uh, like, um, and they don't make any distinction because I think you have to be a certain age to buy that. And they don't, I guess they don't apply that same standard in well, the library to look at it. The libraries have this old, own rule that they made up for themselves called the Library Bill of Rights. And in uh, Bill of Rights number six, I believe it says that uh, age should not be used as a means of 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 controlling any information whatsoever. So they, they built that in there so that, uh, so that there's no basically age discrimination against what kids get in public libraries. How strange. And that supersedes the law, the actual law, to no, them. N- t- to them, yes. It doesn't, but it does to them. Wow, I had no idea that librarians were so, uh, Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to call that, sort of like... Uh, Machiavellian or, you know, power grabbing or, or you know. Uh, it's not all librarians. Th- they it's, seem really charged up the, the way you're describing <laughs> it. it but, but it must be a significant number if, if we have this problem, you know, from one to another to another. Yeah. And uh, what was the particular library? Do you remember which one it was? Uh, yeah, that was uh, Oak uh, Lawn, uh, Illinois. I can give you lots of examples of this kind of craziness. In uh, Holyoke, Massachusetts, for example, a man was looking at pornography on the computer. It might have been child pornography. I can't remember right now. And the librarian went to the library director and said, "The guy's looking at porn. What do we? Uh, child porn. What do we do? You know, we should call the police." The library director said, "No, we're not going to call the police. Just reboot the computer." And the libra- that librarian actually went to the media to report on the library director hiding the li- the uh, the child porn. That library director is still there. So it was definitely child porn. I can't remember the Holyoke case. Huge, huge in, in difference. Particular. Huge difference. Uh, well, I mean, you know, because that's uh, not that you're mentioning anybody's name or anything like that. But see, if somebody had, if somebody's watching porn and they go, just reboot the computer, go, all right. But if it's child porn, highly illegal, uh, you got to get into. I mean, don't you have yeah. to have some sort of? Uh, I mean, I guess you have to go on the dark web, maybe, or something. I really don't know. Well, actually, um, there's a uh, uh, library in um, in Illinois. Um, 
Orland Park, Illinois, that made uh, child porn available on the computers and uh, then covered it up when it was caught and discovered. And then when, when somebody tried to, to uh, bring it out into the public, um, uh, that person was repeatedly attacked. Uh, ultimately, a book was written about this, about this whole incident, because it went on for years, and the lawsuits, that's the lawsuit that I was involved with, mm. as this library tried to cover up uh, this child porn incident by attacking the people who were reporting it, and, uh, and me too. But uh, <laughs> right, that's so strange. It, it is strange. Well, and, what, what is their interest in doing this, do you think? Well, as they say, a librarian is not a... a uh, a librarian is not a judge, and she cannot, or he or she cannot determine what is uh, child pornography. So it's not your mm-hmm. place to do that. Right. So that's what they tell them, and that's why they do this. And that's yeah, but I mean, in, to in what fact, end would they want that to be the policy? Well, that, that I don't know. I mean, it seems to be pro child porn. It yeah. seems to be pro uh, exposing children to pornography, yeah. and, and anti uh, the parents or the town having any sort of autonomy over what the yeah. kid has available to him. Yeah. Maybe they don't want kids in there unsupervised. But that seems like a long way to go around that. Yeah. The things that I tell you are backed up with reliable sources, like when the library, when the ALA tells the librarians to ignore child pornography, mm-hmm. that I have on from an ALA website. Okay. But when it comes to the issue of why are they doing this, I don't have any kind of evidence for that, so I'm not making a statement as to why that is. Oh, I, I understand. Know. So you don't have a theory? An operative theory. I wouldn't hold you to the truth of it. I mean, it's just so speculation, you know. I mean, like, I, I'm trying to figure it out myself. It just seems so so odd. I don't think they're all perverts. I, I don't think any of them are perverts I, that I know I, of. I, I mean, think there's something else going on, but I don't know, and I don't have any evidence of it. Jeez, huh. And, and it, did, did it never occur to you to, to give it some thought? And go, I wonder why they're doing that. I mean, or is that just not of interest to you at all? It's of interest, but there's no way that I can get that information unless somebody... Uh, uh, you like uh, at CNN does secret tapes and releases them to uh, James O'Keefe. And then I'll need somebody to make secret tapes and release this kind of information. But I don't have that kind of, I don't have that kind of connection. Does this go into, uh, say, school libraries as well? Yeah. Yes. Uh, recently, there's a scandal, for example, with uh, EBSCO, which is a, a large company that makes databases available to children. And uh, these databases are available in schools. And if you go onto these databases, you can see all sorts of um, great pornography for. Uh, that children get access to, which I maybe shouldn't even mention on a radio, but wow. it's totally inappropriate. And uh, and and what the, the deal is that in this case, the school in Colorado was aware that this was going on. So they gave parents a different kind of an ID to log in to look at the database than they give to the students. When parents use their students' IDs to log in and found the stuff that was not in the parents' ID and complained to the school, the complained the school complained that the parents were violating the students' privacies and, and using their accounts for inappropriate access. My God. <laughs> that's ludicrous. Wow, this it, it is an outrage. And that's this that's in the last few years you're talking about. That's this going happened? on right now. That's in a school right now in Colorado. Uh-huh. You, you can look up EBSCO and find out about these things, I think, if you look at the How do you spell that? E B E B S C O. EBSCO. Okay. It's, it's and big, and that's a scandal. It, 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 and that's that's the name of the company that provides the databases. Yeah. Okay. Recently, for example, uh, an organization called the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, or ENCOS, has released a dirty dozen list uh, of uh, the nation's leading sexual exploitators, and one includes the American Library Association, but another one is EBSCO for this very reason. Huh. 
Yeah, I see here. I seem to be connected to something here. It serves thousands of libraries and other institutions with premium content in every subject area. Chances are that your library, university, school, or other institutions subscribes to multiple resources slash content on EBSCOhost. If you are working on a research project, take a look at these resources to help you get the content you need. Your librarian is one, I see. And now, we're okay, this seems to be like they're selling it. Um Browse our repository of videos, interactive tutorials. I have a feeling none of this is going to be, here's where the porn is. It seems like that's a, it's, it's, it's written in a Teenager or something, you know? Well, no, actually, I've seen some videos of people looking at this, and you can put in simple queries, and some of the simple queries will pull up really inappropriate things. Mm. Um, uh, like, I don't know, can I say anal sex on the radio? Oh, yeah, you can say anything. <laughs> okay. <on this. laughs> so, uh... Okay, well, I just typed in anal sex into this search. <laughs> no, you don't search for anal sex. You search for, like, uh, teenage boys. Oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well y- you're in a school website. You would, kids want to look for books on teenage boys, right? So okay. Put in teenage boys. I, I oh, I guess that seems a, that doesn't seem quite so bad when you say it that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to X out of that right now. I don't even know. I feel as if I have... People, don't they have a, a wariness about this? Because if, if somebody were, were arrested... Maybe, you know what it must be? You know, I think I figured it out. I think I figured out why they do this. Because they want to avoid liability. That's all it is. They don't want, if somebody has child porn in the library, they don't want to be responsible. They probably would have a long jail term for providing that. If you even have so much as like a, some kind of a server or something, and people use it or whatever to get onto sites like that, and if they use it to chat and, and like, it's possible they can be held responsible for that. So I bet you that's what it is. Uh, may I disagree? Well, sure. Okay. I think that's wrong because uh, what libraries do, the library that I'm suing right now is it is in New Jersey, and uh, it makes pornography available, uh, internet pornography available to children in the children's section of the library, specifically in the children's section. After a child saw porn in the library, the mother complained. Then they passed this policy in an illegal fashion against the Open Public Meetings Act, which is why I'm suing, uh, to, uh, to make sure children continue to have access to internet porn. <laughs> But the liability issue says, uh, goes to the fact that they added into the policy, state, specifically disclaiming any liability for any of this, putting it on the parents' shoulders. You know, it's your job to watch your own kid, not us. Mm-hmm. If your kid gets into, uh, you know, something, whatever, that's your problem, not ours. So they're aware of the issue, but they disclaim it in their in their policy. It's already disclaimed. So is that 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 is a standing thing, or it's new? Uh, that happens in a lot of policies. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're responsible for it. Look, it is a public building. Parents should be watching their own kids in their own libraries. Absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that libraries should be violating various laws to allow in this inappropriate stuff, which then uh, kids either kids might see or adults might see and then uh, rape the kids, as does happen in many cases, mm-hmm. including uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts, where a little boy was uh, raped 10 feet from his mother without her being aware of it. Jesus, that is a one slick rapist, first of all. And second of all, uh, I mean... She must have had headphones on or something, I guess, right? She must have been sitting there rocking out. <laughs> the slick racist, uh, I'm sorry, rapist, uh, was looking at uh, some porn on the computers there, which have filters, so the library director says. Uh, but he says that he got past them. Well, he was also described as uh, being like um, not uh, not mentally 
fully there kind of or whatever the term is. Like retarded or something? Well, I don't want to say anything that's inappropriate. You know? Oh, I, <laughs> but, I don't care. But somebody who's a little uh, you know, uh, different than somebody else. So if he's a little different, then he's going to have difficulty getting around the filter. So how easy was it to get around that filter to watch something inappropriate, then go and rape the little kid? Uh, pretty easy for him, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So, huh. you know, so when libraries tell you that things are protected a certain way, it's not always the truth. They often you know, mislead. And that's a real-world consequence, obviously. If yes. You have, if you have a room full of kids and then you have some porn and people are watching porn while the kids are around, you know. I've I seen mean, it myself in Brooklyn Public Library. No kidding. You've seen what? A rape? No. Oh. Um, it, uh in the case that I saw, I, first of all, I hear lots of reports. And people actually report things to me from the Brooklyn Public Library. One guy even went to the Brooklyn DA, and the Brooklyn DA referred him to me, which is sad, right? Jesus. But, yeah, that's sad. Because the library refuses to do anything. But when I uh, went to that library to check it out, I saw a, um, a little boy that was lost, and he was being led around the library by security guard. And the security guard went past a bank of library uh, computers where at least three people were viewing porn right there. And as the kid was walking by, his eyes were glued to the computers with the porn going on. Hmm. Who knows what's going to happen to that little kid now that he's seen that. I know we all make jokes about it, but some kids really do get, uh, uh, you know, seriously affected by that kind of thing. Mm. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in this library, this library uses filters and complies with, or claims that it complies with the Children's Internet Protection Act, so it should not be having this stuff available. But it does. And yet it still does. And no one else is checking on this, it seems. Uh, I mean, I've never heard anyone else talk about this. Well, the librarians at, at, the, at the American Library Association's insistence, they don't talk about this stuff because they don't want it out in the public. They don't want people to know that this is going on. This is why it's never published anywhere, never gets into the news, nobody says or does anything. I even had one reporter from Florida uh, talk to me and... Uh, he said, you know, after he, he got to know me and he checked out what I've said, he said, what you said is 100% accurate. He then told me that the American Library Association told him that I was a, um, um, you know, that I was kind of like a terrible person, was misleading people. They'll just do and say anything to keep these kinds of stories from getting into the media. So you've been smeared by the American Library Association? Yeah. And now was that personally or, or publicly? Well, that was to a reporter. To a reporter, uh, public, which is, you know... Actually, publicly, the head of the Office for Intellectual Freedom, as it's called, made a statement about how, how the American Library... He said this on Twitter. The American Library Association was helping all the, uh, the, the victims in the Orlando shooting, okay, while Safe Libraries, which was me, was doing nothing. So he said this publicly. So he publicly smearing me, so... <laughs> well, is, is it your responsibility to... I mean, although, you know, one would hope we all... Do what we can, but I mean, why, why would it fall to you to help victims of the Orlando uh, nightclub shooting? It doesn't, but uh, these people go out of their way to find anything to ridicule you with. Even my co-writer, who was a, um, a gay man, uh, he, uh, he was ridiculed for being gay, precisely for being gay, by the American Library Association. How so? Uh, they gave a, a lecture on how to um, thwart child porn whistleblowers, including by a number of means, such as destroying records and suing them for defamation. And uh, one of the... Uh, how to thwart child porn library whistleblowers. Is that what you said? Is that yes, what you said? Yes. <laughs> and they had a seminar. They had oh, a seminar on this. My for, God, that's strange. And 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 the the lady from who was the PR person at the library, uh, who had made anti-gay statements to uh, my friend several times, actually taught at this seminar uh, that why would this other woman? Because there was two people together, a man and a woman. Why would this woman let her small children around a gay man? Uh, that to me is hom is homophobia. Oh sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you could say things 
a lot uh, less egregious that that than that that would clear the bar for homophobia. I think these days, especially and especially in New York City, or this is in New York City, the great bubble of liberalism that is New York City. I'm surprised that that didn't make a bigger stir. I can't believe uh, that that a librarian. Why do I presume a librarian well, would be hyper-liberal for some reason? They don't seem like they would be in a... Cons- I, don't, I don't know why. I'm not trying to relate everything to politics. Yeah. But it just seems like a, when you get into things like that, in a polarized society, there's a, a lot of differentiation between, well, what justifies homophobia and blah, 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 and what, or what, uh, you know, what makes it up. Right. However, um, a librarian being in uh, academia to begin with, I would think... Now, maybe she's more... Maybe they're more liberal. Maybe they're so liberal... I guess they are, in a sense, if, if they really want children to have access to porn. What could be more liberal than that? Um, I would say that most librarians don't want children to have access to porn. <laughs> but uh, the American Library Association is definitely um, uh, supporting that. Okay, I see now. Okay, I'm sorry. So they're the head of the snake, the American Library Association. I mean, I'm not trying to... It's, it's not no knock on anybody. I mean, I'm just somebody... Yeah, I'm said, not going to call them a snake, but no. uh, they are the head of, of this effort. Figuratively, yeah. yeah. They are the head of this effort. Now, how many people comprise that, the American Library Association? Is well, I mean, there's uh, like about, um, I don't know, 58,000. used to be 64,000. I think it's like 58 now members um, that do that. And how does one become a member of that? Well, you just pay some money. <laughs> I, I'm a member or... Um, I either am a member or I have to renew to stay a member of the American Library Association. Okay. And so do you get to vote on these things? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, uh, I don't get to vote per se. Uh, it's an interesting question because there was one man who was a conservative man who was running for some kind of an ALA office, uh, counselor it's called. There's like 100 leaders who are called counselors. And uh, he was intentionally left off the ballot uh, because the person said, I can't in good conscience put him on the ballot for people to vote for him. So I'm going to leave him off and I'm going to leave myself off just to be fair. Whoa. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Whoa. His name was Greg... um, McClay. That's the candidate? He or? ran a, that, that's the candidate, the, the conservative librarian. He ran a uh, website called uh, Shush at the time. I don't think Shush is still uh, is still going. Well, no, I mean, after that shaming uh, <laughs> taken off the ballot, by the, I mean, the FDALA is not behind it. No, no, they, they can and will do anything to uh, ensure that uh, what they want to do is, is what they're going to get. Hi, man. And, and is it just that nobody's got their eye on this, so they have all the power they want? I mean... Who, who? Now you said he said that. Who was that that was running it that said that? Um, uh, Greg McClay. It, it was running as a uh, and was left off the ballot. Is Greg McClay. Greg McClay. M C C L A Y. And who was I, running it that left him off the ballot? I can't remember. It was uh, you know years ago. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. How long <laughs> have you been doing this? About fifteen years. Oh my God. And how did you get first interested in this? I heard on the radio uh, um, Dr. Laura talking about. The American Library Association was pushing uh, pro- pornography and inappropriate things on children. And I said to myself, that lady's crazy. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. It's ridiculous. And so I just ignored her and started to listen to somebody else. And, uh, and then when my kid went to uh, kindergarten, on the fourth day of school, she brought a book home from school. And I said, this is it. I've reached the top. I have a kid in public school. I have a, a beautiful wife, a house out in the country, and she wants to read me. Wants me to read the book to her, like my mommy and daddy read to me. So I began to read the book. It was completely inappropriate. Um, I, you know, uh, what was it, it called? Four-year-old's not going to get it, but uh, but it was about a, a girl skinny dipping on a date with three guys, not wearing nada, ooh la la. She said in a lusty voice. 
And uh, well, the point is I brought it into the principal and the principal said after four days, she said, this is totally inappropriate. It's worse than what you reported it to me as. And I'm removing it from the library. And she is, not me. I didn't ask her. Yeah. I said, well, why did you give it to my kid? And she said, she said, because uh, one, it was multicultural. And two, it was, it was recommended by our librarian using an American Library Association list for kindergartners. And she's in a member. Well, right then, what, what that Dr. Laura crazy lady as I thought she was for saying yes. what she said, came back into my mind. And I went to the public library uh, to check it out there. And I found out in the library they had something called Fun Sites for Kids and Teens. And one of those fun sites for kids was uh, Go Ask Alice, where you can lo uh, go and learn how to hang yourself while having an orgasm, which is how Keith Carradine died. Or was it David uh, da Carradine? Uh, um, David Carradine? It was one of the Carradines died doing this. Yeah, one of the Carradines. It, it doesn't it, really matter. In fact, here's the saddest part. I actually had a library director come up to me and tell me that one of the children in her library died because of looking at this very website that was recommended by the American Library Association. Jesus. And... That's a separate thing. You said it's go ask Alice. Is that what you said? Like uh, there was some kind of like a booth or something? At Columbia University, they have a website for sexual things, which is fine. You're allowed to have that, right? Oh, it's but, Columbia, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, look, the issue is never that this stuff is inappropriate per se. The issue is that some organization is pushing it on children when it's, too, when it's inappropriate for them because they have a library bill of rights that makes it age discrimination to keep children from seeing things. Sure, that's, I see what you mean. That's kind of the issue. All you want is some transparency on the library level and on the uh, American Library Association level. That's all you want. I mean, it seems to me the, the librarians, they take them out of the equation, make them pawns, and they have a very rigid set of things they're supposed to follow. Was the principal of the school, in this case, in the case of your daughter's yeah. school, able to take the book out of the library? Yeah, she got it out. She okay. just physically took it out. Well, I she didn't see. make. She didn't apply to like you know. She just she had this nasty book and she didn't put it back on no, the shelf. No, you can take books out of libraries immediately if you're in a school under the uh, 1982 case of Board of Education versus Pico. You can't remove books from libraries for the ideas they contain. Hmm. You know, some people complain about homosexual penguins, for example. You can't remove it for. The, for that fact. But if the book is pervasively vulgar, then you can remove the book right away. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go through the American Library Association's long process of trying to get the book reviewed. Just remove it. Mm. Even the head of the American Library Association said, in the rare instance that a book is inappropriate for a school library, then yeah, get it out of there. That's I'm quoting her, get it out of there. Sure. Huh. So, okay, it's, it's just up to somebody else. Well, I'm trying to find. This is a. I'm looking at right now. Library Journal. Um, another annoyed librarian, but this is something from 2009. It doesn't seem to be related to the matter at hand. I'm looking for and, anything that and might. And that's relate. an interesting point because the Library Journal does not, except for the annoyed librarian who does write this kind of stuff. Mm. The Library Journal does not publish these kinds of stories because it's part of the process of keeping the public from being aware that this kind of stuff is going on. Oh, I see. I see. That makes sense. You know, the American Library Association is going out of its way now to make sure everybody reports any book that's ever challenged for any reason, but they don't care about any crimes that are going on in public libraries. They don't count them. They don't track them because they're responsible for them indirectly in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, so... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm speechless. They're, they must have some agenda. I mean, taking everything you say to be true, there has to be a reason for that. And, and as he says, it's, it's not just to uh, get away from liability. 
Yeah, I'm calling out to uh, right now all the librarians to get information from the American Library Association if you're working internally and let me know what's going on with the reason why this American Library Association is uh, facilitating child porn and other pornography in public libraries despite the law. Well, do you think that um, – now, is, is there a head of the American Library Association? You must know who that is. Well, there was one. Um, uh, she was there for almost five decades. Uh, she came from the ACLU. Five decades. Yeah, literally, she started this in. Uh, she came from the ACLU from Chicago ACLU, where she was a state already crooks right there. Director. Well, I, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I can make judgments. It's fine. <laughs> okay, and uh, she joined the ALA, and she's the one who individually changed how the librarians approach children. And ever since then, if you didn't do what she and and her offices that she created, like the Office for Intellectual Freedom. If you didn't I do see. what she said, you were gently kind of pushed out of whatever position that you were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, some librarians have been brave enough to speak out about this, uh, about uh, conservative librarians are a rare breed because they, they know that if they speak up, they get in trouble. Uh, his name was uh, Will Manley. He often wrote for Library Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, He had a problem uh, with but, all this. But there are, yeah, there's a number of people who have a problem, but it doesn't get a lot of coverage or press. I guess not. I mean, I, I Googled his name just now, and uh, not a lot coming up. Uh, I think I'd have to get a little bit more specific about that search. What is the yeah. name of, of the woman who's been there for so many years? Her name was uh, Judith Krug, K-R-U-G, Judith Krug. She was, you know, the, the ALA has a, has a president that, uh, get, they get a new one every year, but she was the head of this Office for Intellectual Freedom for for uh, almost five decades, and she was the one that caused the ALA to spend its majority of money on its major cases, like going to the Supreme Court in U.S. versus in uh, the, the case in 2003 called United States versus American Library Association, and they lost. They spent a hundred one and a half million dollars. So she's like the, the like the heart of the ALA. She's not there anymore. She's uh, deceased, apparently. She's deceased, and there have been some replacements, and they're they're equally bad. And uh, huh. actually, um, yeah. So, uh, so that that's the I case. I can read but, a little uh, about her. Seems uh, yeah. uh, Judith. <laughs> it's her middle name, Fingerette. Yeah, maybe that's the last name. I have no idea. Judith Fingerette Krug uh, is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Judith Fingerette Krug, March fifteenth, uh, nineteen forty, to April eleventh, two thousand nine, was an American librarian, freedom of speech proponent, and critic of censorship. Krug became director of the Office for Intellectual Freedom at the American Library Association in 1967. Well, she created it. She created it. She joined the Freedom to Read Foundation as she its executive. It. That one as well? Yeah. Okay. It's like a smart car. It's really not smart. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. Uh, there, there's an irony factor there. Okay. She, she coordinated the effort against uh, Communications uh, Decency Act of 1996. Are you, are you familiar with the Communications Decency Act of 1996? I'm uh, mildly familiar with it. First attempt by the United States Congress to introduce a form of censorship of speech on the Internet. She strongly opposed that notion that libraries should censor the material that they provide to patrons. She supported laws and policies protecting the confidentiality of library use records. When the United States Department of Justice used the authority of the USA Patriot Act of 2001 to conduct searches of what what were once Confidential library databases, she raised a public outcry against this activity by the government. She's a, this is down to the grave here, yeah. pretty much. I mean, like, this is the last few years of her life, and she is fighting hard against, you know, and they make it sound as if it's the good fight or something. If you're looking at Wikipedia, that is an article that was originally created by the American Library Association. 
Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's not going to have our harshest criticism in there, I'm sure. Uh, if, but if there I'm is wondering. Criticism, it's because of me. I had a battle to get that in there because they were. No kidding. Uh, yeah, they were uh, even anonymously using the, the, the Wikipedia to battle on a lot of library fronts. They even pushed, uh, promoted, uh, for example, net neutrality and um, uh, for, uh, for free press. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of other things that they, they use that you know any means necessary to mislead people into what it is they want you to think, mm-hmm. including Wikipedia. That's what they do. Jeez, it's like they're telling kids we've got a secret. <laughs> Don't tell your parents. Uh, I'm wondering if anybody out there has kids. I'm wondering if anybody listening knows anything about this. Have you seen any evidence of this? Have you and. Uh, and if you don't, maybe keep an eye out, you know, if you have kids that are at the age where they might be curious at the library or just before that age, yeah. whatever you think it might be. I think it's always younger than people think it's going to be. By all means, keep an eye on what's going on at the library. Uh, I see a lot of other, like I said, this is a fascinating conversation and I'm, I'm very taken, I'm taken aback by all this because of all the places you think, you know, it might be sort of a, a safe space for the kids. Uh, you think the library, maybe. Although homeless people sometimes bathe there and, uh, you know, sleep, it's, you still think, well, maybe that's, uh, you know, kind of a, I don't know, that's almost like a daycare. On, and they rely on that goodwill. But remember, she said, I'm sick and tired of people turning libraries into safe places for children. Oh, wow, she but, did specifically say that. Yeah, let me tell you something uh, really out- – there's a number of things that are very outrageous to me and really uh, bother me. Okay. And one is I think the American Library Association has significantly harmed the LGBT, uh, LGBT community. Let me tell you how. Um, when you fake discrimination against people, uh, say you fake discrimi- uh, disc- discrimination against LGBT people, people think then – that, um, uh, that it's normal to have discrimination. And studies have shown that when you fake discrimination, it, inc- it actually increases the actual discrimination. And in, L- and in the LGBT community, that may include suicides. So now the, I found out that the American Library Association fakes their uh, discrimination against the LGBT community to promote their own goal. How did I find this out? Okay, I'm just saying it, right? So who cares? Mm-hmm. But I have the evidence. The evidence was... Um, uh, one lady, uh, there was a book that was really inappropriate in a, in a school in New Jersey, and it was so inappropriate that it was removed. It was inappropriate for reasons of inappropriate sexual material, not because it was LGBT content. It happened to have been LGBT content, mm. but that wasn't the issue. The issue is it's just really inappropriate sexual content. Got so it. the book was removed by the school. And the, the, the author of that book was named on the, um, to the top 10 list that the ALA publishes every year and gets in all the newspapers everywhere about the, the, the most challenged books. And uh, I saw this, this uh, author speaking to the New Jersey Library Association. And at the end of her talk, I asked her a really softball question because they think I'm mean, but I'm really very nice. So I asked her a very softball question. I said, what was it like to be number nine on the list of the most challenged books for 2010? And she said, I am so glad you asked me that question. I was so excited to be above Stephanie Meyer on the list. You know, she wrote Twilight or something like that. I said, I said, I was like, how did I do that? So I called up the ALA and I said, how did I get on the list? And you know what they told me? She said to the everybody, she said, they told me that there were other books that were challenged more than mine. But because mine dealt with homosexuality and was actually removed from a school, they just decided to put it on the list. So they... They doctor their numbers because they never publish the actual numbers of these challenges. So I called up the ALA and I said, hey, how many times was the number one book challenged? 
And I talked to a guy who's no longer working there, and he said, look, uh, let me look at my thing four times. I said, four times? The ALA said it was dozens, uh, challenged dozens of times. He said, oh, that's just over the years. Four times was this book, and Tango Makes Three. It was, in, it was a LGBT books. Okay? When I, that book was on the top of the list for five years straight or number two because of the LGBT content. When I exposed that it was only four times being number one on the list across the entire United States all year long, like it's not a really a news problem, then it fell off the list for two years. In fact, LGBT fell off the list for two years because of that. So I think, and, and so I have her admitting this, I have a tape recording that I made for her, if you want to listen to it, I made the whole tape recording, of her saying that the ALA faked these numbers. I caught them faking the numbers of the number one book, both on LGBT, and I think they've been harming the LGBT community all this time, in addition to the other uh, LGBT um, uh, homophobia that they've been doing. So the idea would be that um, they create a stir uh, that is not uh, like, like yes. perhaps they get gay people and gay organizations yes. to be outraged and, and, and to not have their books included. That's it. That, so it's fake outrage. It's fake outrage. Because it's not even about that. It's just it's like they're they're just going, oh, well, it's bad enough, and it's gay, so maybe we can get them to protest and get this off the list, and now we can have everything in there. That's it. They faked it. Uh-huh. And I think that harms that community. Well, yeah. I think it harms the community. The whole community. It harms everybody. You're yeah. right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real head-scratcher. Boy, they really are trying to get ahead of the game by taking actions like that, you know? And, when, and this is why they, that library association really hates me, because I get this kind of evidence. I make those recordings. I let them be available to the public. Uh-huh. That's why they sued me. Uh, that's uh, uh, They lost um, to try to silence me on these issues. They sued you for, like, what was their... Uh, the ALA itself didn't sue me, but uh-huh. the, um, the woman who made the, uh, the, homo- the homophobic comments uh, did uh, uh, sue me, and I believe the ALA was helping her. In fact, the American Library Association even sent out an email to librarians that at the meeting where she made this thing, they needed to destroy that evidence, destroy all tapes, destroy all the notes. And they did this from their own personal emails, which I got from a Freedom of Information Act request. And one librarian even wrote to us to tell us what happened in there and says, I'm afraid to tell you this, but you, you need to know this and, and hope it helps you or something like that. Because these, these librarians know that this is wrong to be doing this. And they have nobody to speak to because of that organization. It's it's a death sentence. Well, well do so. you do you have any allies in this? Uh, I have a, a number of allies, but uh, they don't get on the media a lot. <laughs> right. Nobody well, knows about it. I would it. think parents uh, anywhere who know about this. I have a lot of successes, a lot of allies, a lot of communities that I help here and there, and they're all very thankful. But it never gets uh, it never gets bigger than the local community, and so uh, this just keeps going on nationwide. Did you ever uh, reach out to Dr. Laura? No. No. Maybe write a letter to Dr. Laura. You know, I mean, she's she brought the issue up originally, and I mean, 15 years ago, no, got you interested it, in I it. I think this is bigger than Dr. Laura at this point, frankly. Oh, I think that she could be uh, a know, great help. They're facilitating child porn. They're harming the LGBT, uh, LGBT community. Uh, they're doing inappropriate things in public schools, too. But you need to get the word out. And this, you know... I you mean, have a suggestion? I... <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Laura, write her a letter. She seems to know what you're talking about is what I mean. You know what I mean? She, and if you tell her, you know, you inspired my whole arc here, you know, <laughs> it's your hero's journey. Dan is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and she could be an important part of closing that loop. No. I mean, I, I just, just, keep, just tell me you consider it. You I know? just keep my head down and keep just working to help uh, uh, people with these kind of issues because they do approach me from time to time. Mm. Uh, well, that's a 
that's a noble uh, use of your time, a noble expression of your uh, civic duty and, and your talent as a, uh, a watchdog in this situation. People should be grateful. Uh, how do they reach your Twitter? What is, what is your Twitter? Safe Libraries. Uh, safe Libraries, right? Yeah, S-A-F-E Libraries. Okay, great. I believe I'm following you, and I will definitely uh, send the tweet out there. Thanks for being here, Dan. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. I feel like there's more. Oh, there's a ton more. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Klein, thanks. Yeah, thank you.